0: If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipalorg slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Transformative Principle, episode 118. Today, I'm talking with Ken Sparrow of Ed Leadership Sims and Ken is going to talk to us about how important simulations are for helping us make better decisions as leaders and the power that comes through practicing that to be our best. I hope you enjoy listening to it and please share this with your other principal friends and leaders to help us all be the best leaders we can be. It's hiring season all across the country and time to dust off your interview questions. Go to transformativeprincipal.org to download 10 interview questions to find the best teachers. Uh, Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today we are here with Ken Sparrow, who's the uh, founder, correct, of Educational Leadership Simulations, which is a company that helps schools do simulations to help them improve their leadership. And I probably didn't do a very good explanation. So Ken, why don't you describe how you would like me to describe what you do?
1: Thank you, Jethro. What I do is focus on the premise that experience is the best teacher, and especially in the contextual challenges that leaders face in their buildings, where it really is all about judgment. There's no one way to do things that'll work every time, and it really does require thought. And the only way to develop better judgment is through experience, and how do we, in essence, provide portable experience or experience in a box? That's what the company does.
0: And what's really valuable about that is that, as you said, you learn by experience, and the only way to get better at making judgments and making decisions is to actually practice that. And can you talk a little bit about the process of what the simulations in a box look like and how how people access them and what exercises they go through? Sure. They are browser-based, so they currently—that's uh, the,
1: the way to access them. And they can actually— Look a little different depending on the nature of the scenario that's being addressed. So some may be text driven that build on, that may be procedurally oriented, that are focused on making decisions relating to how something is going to get done. And some may be more media driven with video and audio, uh, especially when dealing with conversations or interpersonal or social interactions uh, with staff. Like dealing with a bullying issue or things along or difficult conversations or things along those lines. So, how they will look may be different depending on the nature of the scenario, but they really build upon the premise of obviously of experience, but being able to engage one's own imagination because we're not going to simulate your world uh, because everybody's interpretation of reality is going to be different, but we want to have it be familiar enough that it evokes in your own mind your own situations so that you can apply the experience that you're having to those situations to improve judgment in your day-to-day.
0: Great. And before we get to a specific example, which is what we did today in a session, will you talk about why this kind of learning is so powerful and some of the experiences you've had with people who have gone through it that help confirm to you that it is a meaningful and powerful thing to do?
1: Well, as I mentioned, experience is the best teacher and we know that so, fundamentally, being able to focus on things where people are getting an experience as opposed to being taught. We have plenty of opportunities to be taught, but this is an opportunity to experience, to try stuff out, to fail, to actually do it poorly, but actually have it be a valuable learning experience. So, that's the the, um, the underpinnings of what makes this kind of approach so valuable, irrespective of the topic, because we go through many things during the course of our days in which maybe we don't give it thought because we've got too many things going on. And as a result, we end up dealing with the consequences. And when it comes to trying to develop folks who don't have a lot of time, who have way too many things, really important things, sitting on their desks that when they're focused on development for their own sakes, it is coming at a cost. So, but they know they need to be developed. So there is that trade-off of, do I spend the time, do I not spend the time? So you want to make something, if they're going to spend the time, it's got to be valuable. And it's got to be engaging, because if you don't have engagement, you've got nothing so if you're going to choose to spend your time, then it ought to be something that is on the on the one hand engaging, it'll keep you focused, and then actually that it should also be developmental. The power of simulations really builds upon the power of stories. And we're always engaged, everybody, no matter what age you are, no matter what culture you're from, no matter who you are, everybody loves a good story. So the opportunity for engagement is there. And I've seen that, and I've run simulations text, totally text-based. No media whatsoever, no virtual worlds, nothing complicated, no 3D graphics, just text. And I work with leaders of corporations, and I've worked with leaders in districts, and they are equally engaged because of the power of the underlying story. And what you, where you go from there, that's up to the situation that you're in, the scenario that you're playing, and actually what you're using it to help with. So in terms of your ability to apply it but why this modality is so powerful and so engage- is because of the engagement and for the opportunity to improve judgment through experience.
0: So would you share some of the stories that you've experienced of working with teams and different leaders of going through these simulations, some of the one or two things that have really been impactful to you?
1: Well, in one district that we're working, one of the things that was great from a feedback perspective is that they were running the simulations as part of their sp- Um, assistant principal academy so the feedback that they got as they were adding this to the curriculum was first that the assistant principals were looking forward to the next one so even though they weren't necessarily always oriented positively towards having to go through their development in this case they were actually the feedback to the staff was we're looking forward to next program so on the one hand dealing with the assistant principals themselves they found that very valuable But when you take the experiential and experience-oriented approach, what happens is is you end up putting the learning back into the hands of the students, into the administrator's hands. They become responsible for their own development because it's their experience and, and how they develop from it. And so they took that and the feedback after the second time they went through a sim to the leadership development team was, we want access to the simulations to take back to our buildings and do it with our principals together because they wanted to have that shared experience with their boss to say how they approached the decision making and also so they could learn from it but also share with them how they approach things because maybe they had a different approach. The further feedback that came beyond that was that the assistant superintendents and the other principals were coming back to the leadership development team and saying, what are you doing? We wanna be part of it. So again, I'd love to say that this is just because how great my simulations are, but it's not that. What it is, is it's about the value that people have. When you have a good experience, you just want it to continue, you just want more of it. And I think that we have created a situation for our learners, adults and kids, where we overwhelm them, but we also use a static approach. Sometimes that's good, but sometimes we need to mix it up. And where you're putting more of the opportunity for development into their own hands, it's quite engaging.
0: Well, and I I felt the same way as soon as I finished the simulation today. I wanted, I emailed my assistant superintendent who controls our administrative meetings, and I said, I'd really like, this is the thing I want to bring back from this conference that the district sent me to. And it was, I want to go through that with my colleagues because I want us to analyze each other's thinking and help each other become better because of that. And that, that to me was a really cool. Thing to experience and it really was an experience as you said and not just a session and I think that's one of the defining characteristics of what you do is that it does become an experience and I can see everybody saying that everybody's involved everybody's making the decision and you're arguing and debating back and forth with what is going on so let's get a little more specific and talk about the sim that we did today and why you chose that and what the circumstances of that sim more?
1: So, that uh, simulation was, uh, nat- was part of the session on navigating student suicide. Um, we call it a dealing with a student crisis or student in crisis. And again, part of the issue there is when you get into the challenge of judgment is understanding the challenges that we have as human beings and making decisions and the biases that we have and heuristics. And we felt that if we framed it as a suicide sim, you'd start knowing that was what you're dealing with. And we wanted to. Be more of a discovery because, unfortunately, that's how it happens when you're dealing with experience. You're starting with a decision, and all of a sudden, your SRO comes in and interrupts that decision and gives you the news that there is a student-related shooting, and you're waiting for more information. And that's part of what experience is about because the suicide. When I met the my co-presenter Janice Case on her work in dealing with, uh, she's a consultant with NASSP, and she does specifically focusing on the issue of suicide based on her experience. That is a situation in which deer-in-the-headlights kind of response is unacceptable. And the damage is, is, is enormous in terms of what can happen. It's a terrible situation to start with, and it's not one that you want to screw up any more than we tend to because it's just such a difficult thing to navigate. And so how do, for me when I'm a carpenter with a hammer in my hand and everything looks like a simulation, when I hear things like that, really, really painful situations that are rife with opportunities for judgment and failure, that that's a perfect sim opportunity. And all we have to do is capture the beauty of of this kind of approach is that it's not about getting it right. Because I can provide an equally good learning experience by having you tell me what's wrong with it. Because if the focus is on critical thinking, then it forces you to critically think to tell me what's wrong. So although I wouldn't necessarily design simulations with that bar or the bar set that low, but it allows for that flexibility, which is that I don't have to create every unique particular situation because everything that we do every day is unique or has a level of uniqueness to it. And your ability to relate, to say what's wrong, what's not, what's different about my situation than that is you critically thinking about your situation and the issues at play. And so being able to capture this kind of troublesome, difficult, emotional kind of scenario was compelling to me and was also, in terms of Janice's experience, being able to, and this gets into how people can think from a transformative perspective, is the process of simulating. If you can articulate an issue well enough to simulate it, you get to know it pretty well because you have to unpack Say you're dealing with, you've had in mind an epic success of yours, or sadly, an epic failure. What was at play? But You didn't go into it thinking you were going to fail. You didn't go into it trying to fail. So what went wrong? What was at play? Typically, in in any issue that is complicated, is going to be complicated because of the inherent trade-offs, the pluses and the minuses, being able to articulate what was the minus that I'd missed, or the positive that didn't happen the way I expected it to? What were those things? And what other choices might I have made? And what would have been the consequences of those? And thinking things through, being able to unpack it, both by identifying what the trade-offs are, and then to think through options, consequences, etc., is is quite developmental in and of itself. And actually Janice found it very cathartic because it helped her to process and understand the experience that she had in a more developmental way.
0: I'm going to pause for just a minute here and talk about how you can help support the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I learn a ton from doing this podcast, and I know you do too. If you'd like to support me in this, you can become a patron through Patreon, and that would mean the world to me. You can support me for as little as a dollar a month, but anyone who supports me for $5 a month or more will get the Transformative Principle Members Only feed, which releases the interviews as I record them, rather than on a weekly schedule. If you've binge listened to any of the past episodes of this podcast, this is for you. And I know you're going to love it. So you're going to learn as quickly as I learn. And I thank you for supporting me. To become a patron, just go to transformativeprinciple.org. And on the right hand side, there'll be a little button that says become a patron. You can click on that and support me. Thank you so much for your support. Well, and what's fascinating there is that you can't control so many things that are happening. And there, in a situation like a suicide, there is obviously a failure no matter what the outcome is, right? And somebody did not reach out to somebody to save their life. And that person felt so alone that they needed to take their own life. And that is a horrible thing to have to deal with. And there's no, there's no good that that comes from that. And as we're going through the simulation today, even though we did not know who those people were and we did not know what the background story was, you felt like you needed to make the best choice you could. And the reality was that there might not be a best choice. And there were multiple times as we were doing the sim where the choices presented were not what we would have chosen. And that doesn't mean that in, the, in a real-life situation you'll only be able to do some things, but it does show you that your choices sometimes are all going to be bad. And talk a little bit about setting up a sim in that manner and, and why you would limit it to only bad choices, for example. Even if you didn't do that intentionally, that's
1: how it felt today. <laughs> well, typically, again, since the, the focus is on critical thinking or judgment, if you're expecting to see an answer there because it's obvious then it wouldn't behoove us to include it. And so that is often the thinking that goes into the, it's kind of the art of a simulation, which is you know, choosing good choices for the exercise, which may be bad choices in terms of the situation, because the goal is critical thinking. So this is, I distinguish from a design perspective, the difference between teaching and focusing on experience. Because when you're teaching, you're all about doing it right. When it comes to experience, it can actually be do- all about doing it wrong. Because the fact is, is that as you described, there are situations in which there is no good answer. But that doesn't mean we won't make a decision. We're still going to be forced to make that decision. We're going
0: to have to suck it up and deal with it. And it's going to be bad. What was really cool about that was that you were forced to make a decision because you have a time limit. And you want to get through this whole simulation process. That's what was so good. And we experienced that in different ways when we have a real situation and we have to do something, even though we know it's probably not the best way to do it. So you're smiling like, I know, (laughs) it's awesome. It, It was so powerful as we were doing that because I was starting to apply it to my other experiences and saying, man, in what situations have I been presented with only two options or only three options and had to choose one of those that I knew wasn't right? And what can I do in the future to fix that so that doesn't happen? So as you develop these simulations, what is it that, that you have to, what process do you go through to f- unpack that actual event? And sometimes, as you mentioned before, that sometimes these are real events, sometimes they are based on real events, sometimes they are loosely tied to something, sometimes it's just an idea. How detailed do you get and then how much do you leave out of the sim when you're making them? Well, often the easiest place
1: to get started from is a narrative, is a story, because that's the easiest place to to build from. So we'll get somebody who had an experience, but we don't want to recreate history. That's not the goal. But it's a good place to start from, because A, that's very compelling to somebody who's contributing. And, And it's really important for me to make sure it's authentic. So whatever way we articulate the experience, it should come from the words of somebody who was there. And, and and sometimes you can even feel the pain in the way it's expressed by the words that are chosen, the way they're assembled. And so that's very important. That's why I like to work from starting from real life experience. But since we're going to unpack it and look at not what happened, but actually what the thinking was, because really you know, it's, it's one of those weird things that, that comes up in best practices, right? We'd like to convey best practices, but we document them, right? The challenge with that is that best practices actually are, in essence, Behavioral problems, right? Because if they were the norm, we wouldn't need to call them out as best. And documenting them isn't going to help. Documenting behavioral problems doesn't fix them. Wouldn't it be better if, in fact, we capture the thinking that went into making the practice a best? Why did you choose to do what you did? Maybe it was a gut reaction, but now let's unpack that and understand why. What drove you to make that, and what did you do that instead of? What could you have done? What might you have done in that situation? And as we can begin to see, because that's something that becomes then transferable, not so much what you did, but why you did it. Uh, How did you read the situation in your building? How did you read the situation in your community? How did you read the situation relative to the morale of your staff and their ability to respond? So in the moment, you may have made a gut decision because your competence as a leader and your perception of or lack of competence as a leader and missed perceptions. What was going on there? Because those are the things that are often difficult to relate to, especially things like the different stakeholders. It's on the one hand, we can focus on the issues happening in the moment right in front of us with a student, with a parent, with a t- faculty member, whatever the case may be, and lose sight of what's going on outside of the room. Like As a result, a consequence of your choice, you may make the best choice you can with the person you're sitting with and get fired because as far as the district, you're against policy. So were you, are you able to keep in mind these trade-offs that are at play? And maybe sometimes, like you said, I'm going to have to sub-optimize because the best decision I can make here is not the best decision for the person, but it's the best decision for the entire situation. And sometimes that's just the way it is. And being able to, A, think that way, and then have the wherewithal, the resilience to actually make that decision, make that call. And I quipped, I don't know if you were in the in the first session I did this morning, that in my experience in working with leaders across multiple business businesses and industries, I would suggest that there's probably no more pathetic job than a school leader. And I mean that with great respect and affection, because no leader job that I know of has a group of stakeholders whose demands are so exclusive of each other and that each one is more irrational than the next. So no matter what you do, no matter how right your decision is, somebody's going to kick you in the gut and it, or somebody's. And so the, the ability to understand what's going on, anticipate, and even when you don't get it right, at least you thought about it. And when you do get called to the mat, which you probably will, you can explain it. Hey, I did this because, and it, again, it may not be the right thing, but it wasn't because you weren't thinking.
0: Yeah, and you know that piece of how difficult a school leader's job is is, is something that we just can't forget. For those who who are listening who are not yet school leaders, you just don't understand what that's like until you, actually, until you actually get there. And it's something that we all struggle with and we all don't know how to deal with. And it's very difficult. So having these simulations really helps solidify some thinking and made me think about some processes that I need to put in place at my school so that I'm not being reactive, but I'm being proactive instead. So one of the other good things about the simulation was that it felt really fun. And it was very engaging. And can you talk a little bit about how this is not a game, but a simulation, and what the difference is between those two? Because I think the way you articulate that is really valuable and important to get across as we talk about simulations.
1: Yeah, the, I came across a, a definition of simulations versus games, which I found very compelling. Or I made that interpretation, but a, a distinction in, in terms of interventions, which is alternate reality versus alternative reality. Uh, In terms of how we think, how we operate, how we can improve the way our brains process information, there's a lot of value in pattern matching and being able to capture the context, the gist of what we do in the learning process of learning how to do things better or focusing on doing things better. Simulations allow you to capture that alternate reality. I don't want to create, you know, again, capture anybody's specific reality because everybody's interpretation will be different and I don't want it to be about, well, my world is not like that. That's not the point. The point is to create an environment in which it could be my world and that allows your imagination to engage and you see yourself and the team will see itself in the activity that you're going through and I distinguish that from games which are alternative reality which is fantasy which is something other which has a whole different learning process and I don't want to take anything away from it but by thinking about creating capturing a context that we can relate to that engages our imagination so that the learning isn't dependent on what's on the screen, but it's actually what's going on in your head and also what's going on in your colleagues' heads or your peers' heads, because the opportunity for social learning, creating an environment where it's not about you, it's about the team. It's about an opportunity where you can process not only your own experience, but through the experience of others and hear perspectives that you wouldn't otherwise know because you can't see what they see unless they tell you, and have that be a vehicle by which you can, A, learn something, but also get an appreciation for that other person. It's Because collaboration is key. We, nobody operates on an island. Nobody can operate an island, although we can get isolated in these positions where we are standing alone because we alone have to make the decisions. And so the opportunity to engage in a social context creates additional practice from that perspective. So in addition to the content, just the way it's being delivered allows for engagement for fun. And look, at the end of the day, when it comes, if we don't have engagement, we've got nothing and whatever we can use. So whether it's a storytelling for engagement, it's a social aspect for engagement, that's what's going to keep people involved in the exercise and to then take it further beyond that moment into applying it into real life.
0: Very cool. Thank you very much for all that you've talked about. My last question is, what is one thing that a principal can start doing today to be a transformative principal? What I have, what I postulate, is
1: that what's happened in in the learning space all across the board is that learning and instruction have become synonymous. So we tend to look at everything through a teaching lens. But if I were to ask, if, if your audience were sitting here and I would ask you to fill in the blank, blank is the best teacher, how would you fill that in? Typically, you'd say experience, maybe life, but otherwise, it's the same thing. Experience is the best teacher, not teaching. And so how do we, in fact... I think the challenge is is that if we think about experience through a teaching lens, we complicate it and we lose sight of the power of development because we focus on assessment. What can I teach that I can measure? Development is all about failure. Development is about trying stuff out. Development is about building resilience. So as you think about, as a leader, sitting in your office or on your way to work, and you're thinking about your day and you're thinking about needing to get stuff done, Take a moment to think about the experience of what it is you're targeting, what you're thinking about, especially when there's some development involved. What experience do you need people to have? Because that will give you an opportunity to think about what you're going to do differently because it's not about getting it right. It's about thinking about it first, even when you get it wrong. But if you thought about it, then that's something that you can learn from. If I'm stuck following recipes and then being beat up because my situation doesn't play out the way the recipe said it would, or the framework doesn't exactly apply to my situation because it was just about somebody writing a book, obviously that doesn't help anything. So by taking a step back, and not to say instead of teaching, I don't want to take anything away from the value of instruction, but sometimes we need to experience. And thinking things through from that perspective can enhance, uh, can make more compelling and more engaging, potentially, whatever you're doing in terms of working with your teams.
0: Yeah, that is great. Thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you, learn more from you, follow what you're doing? Where are you at? Well, if
1: anybody's interested in seeing more, my website, edleadershipsims.com. There is actually opportunity to play a simulation there on dealing with a difficult conversation relating to a dress code uh, or dealing with an angry parent relating to a high school girl's basketball coach You can see those on the website and also some more insight into what this idea of thinking experience is about or be in touch with me via email, uh, but you can actually access that all through the website.
0: Thank you so much for your time. For those of you listening, I hope you learned a lot from this. Um, Ken is an inspiration to me and I hope you'll take that and apply it to your daily lives. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones and have a great day. Thank you for listening. I really learned a lot from doing that simulation and from talking more about it with um, Ken today. I hope uh, you enjoyed listening to that. Next week, we're going to talk about the flex mod schedule that John LaFoon does at his high school. And I think you're really going to enjoy this because it talks about making the schedule work for students instead of, the students working for the schedule so i hope you enjoy looking forward to that in the meantime please go to itunes and leave a rating and review for this podcast it really helps other people see it and helps us be more successful in getting these great messages out to other leaders transformative Principles is a proud member of the education podcast network podcast for educators by educators Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments?